It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of your Royal Blue Podcast. And it's absolutely not what we wanted to be talking about this week. I'm joined by Conor O'Neill, Paul Wheelock, and our Everton reporter, Adam Jones, as we chew the fat, as Phil Kirkbride would say, over Everton's yeah. defeat to Bournemouth. We'll also be discussing Marco Silva's team selection, Everton's away form, Fabian Delphin. Those uh, X-rated words, I'm assuming we won't be allowed to say on this podcast and also touch maybe on Marco Silva himself and Everton's start to the season. Lads, I think we all watched that yesterday. Adam, I'm going to come to you first. Um, we spoke a little bit on, on the podcast on Friday about how, you know, Everton really needed to win this to kick on. We could have went third on the table. Instead, we're 11th. A dismal <clears throat> second half performance. It's just not good enough, is it? Oh yeah, it just strikes you as another missed opportunity, really, doesn't it? You know, it was it was the talk of nearly everyone, really, that you know could go level with Manchester City. You know, the champions, Manchester City, could go level with them, and all you need to do is you know go away and beat Bournemouth. And uh, <sighs> time and again, Everton seemed to fall at that kind of hurdle. You know, we could have went top after if we'd have beat Aston Villa away, and uh, the exact same thing happened. So. <sighs> This should have been a way to for Everton to really show the metal and bounce back from that, you know, disappointment at Villa. Uh, you know, obviously we had the Lincoln and the uh, and the Wolves games after that, but you know, this was this was something different. This was a return to like an away game in the Premier League. This this was the time to go right, brush that past away form behind us, and really kick on and show like show why we are challengers for the top six this season. And just just didn't happen. The defense completely fell apart in that second half that third goal is is absolutely disgraceful to be honest one simple pass can take out six players and then he's just got a simple finish really past the goalkeeper that's the stuff like that just cannot happen in the Premier League and you know we were talking the other day about how good an attacking team Bournemouth are and it, it's as if it's as if Everton just didn't set up with that mindset they just didn't set up to try and you know try and nullify their threat in any way possible, really. And it was just, yeah, it was all around just massively disappointing. I think that's the thing, isn't it, Willow? You know, we hadn't had the best first half. We get back into it, you know, a, a well-taken header from Calvert-Lewin. I thought we started the second half re- reasonably positively. And it just falls apart. Does sometimes with Everton on these away days, to you, is there a feeling of inevitability about it? Yeah, and I think it's coming across in the performances now. We're just so brittle, aren't we? You know, away from home, it, it, it's it's easier as, as fans and as journalists to talk about mentality because, you know, it's it's a different ball game, watching a game and analysing a game, reporting a game, and, and then actually playing it itself. So you always have to give a bit of... Uh, wriggle room to the players because it's not easy the Premier League to go away from home and pick up points but this has been going on for such a long time now not just 
this Marco Silva side, but Everton Football Club generally. And I know after the game, Marco made a point of the fact that last season, the away form was better yeah. than the previous season and the season before last. Wasn't hard, but it was still it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, five wins away from home for a club that's supposed to be challenging for the top six. There's nothing to shout home about. Yeah. And the, the really big disappointing thing for me from yesterday, it was Aston Villa. Mark too. Yeah. And like, we were poor at Palace. Let's not forget about that. There was a lot made of the clean sheets at the start of the season and the carryover from last season. Palace had two really clear-cut chances. We played pretty well in patches, but we were poor. We were dreadful against Villa. But then what happened against Lincoln, showing that character that Adam talks about then, and then beating Wolves, you thought a corner had been turned. But yesterday, it was. It shows that that corner's not been turned at all. You know, and... It, while Marco again can quote past and the history of, of bad away games but this is a problem he really has to solve now the players should take a lot of responsibility for it but like in all these things the kind of book stops with the manager doesn't it and he has yeah. got a problem here you know he, he won't like talking about it because why would you but in the same way last season he didn't like talking about the set pieces goals they got away around there I know we slipped up yesterday but this is a real issue now and he has to solve it because it's not like we've gone to Anfield, the Etihad and Old Trafford. We've gone to Palace, yeah. Villa and Bournemouth. And and you were right there, Sam. Like, even though it was a really poor performance and we got exactly what we deserve, like Villa, like against Palace, there were moments where if we were a good team and I mean a proper team, we would have won that game like at the start of the second half where we were on top and it's, it's just really disappointing. I mean... I, I don't know how much more you can add from from Wheelow and Adam there, Connor. Sorry to come to your third there, but it, is it now a case of you know, as Wheelow saying, it's not just silver in the same way it wasn't just Allardyce, Cuban or Martin. As you know, we bring in these new players and everyone kind of talks about how they're coming from Barcelona and they're coming from Man City, and it's a it's a different mentality. But it's just absolute groundhog day, isn't it? It it just feels as though like the the penny's never going to drop. You we almost. You think the penny's going to drop and you think we've turned a corner, you know, like Paul loses today, you know, after Aston Villa went to Lincoln and showed good characters to come from behind. Then we beat Wolves and you're thinking, right, this it now, you know, let's get on a roll. Let's, let's, and, and then we're just back at square one. And I think now the, the problem is, is that it's becoming a real fundamental issue because there's something seriously not right. Because it's like we don't know how to cope in them games either. I mean, you look yesterday, we go 2-1 behind. You've got to stay in the game for the next five minutes. Just stay in the game, you know. As long as you're one goal behind with you know, five minutes to go, however long to go, you've got a chance. Yet yeah, within six minutes, I think it was it yesterday, we were 3-1 we were down, so the game's over. It's, it, there seems to be really something missing in our away performances. And I think it, it comes from the manager, it comes from the players, it, it comes from just something we're doing and it's not right yeah. because it continues, keeps happening. And we can sit and talk about it as much as we want, but... Something's got to change soon because we're never ever going to break into the top six if we can't start running away from home because yeah. you can't rely on your home form because eventually when you start playing the better teams both home and away you will slip up we're going to slip yeah, up yeah. and the, the fearful thing is the minute is is you know say we do go to a Man City or a Liverpool if we go two 0 behind in quick succession are we just going to completely fold and get and get totally mullered because yeah. we've seen it before with whatever teams I mean you, you, we, you, field. You, and you look back to you know Allardyce when he went to the Emirates that that season and yeah. You know, in in a space of was it? I think ten minutes. We were two 0 down, and we just looked like we were going to get ten put past us. So it is massively concerning because you don't want to go back to them days. And we we had all hope that them days were long gone with the players we brought in, the way we were moving forward. That them days were going to be a distant memory. Now they, they look like they could be staying us in stairs in the future. 
mean, the name dropped to me, Adam, because I know to be buzzing with this, but my mum and dad yesterday <laughs> bought me a brand new bedspread. Beautiful. When you're 24 and you've moved out, <laughs> getting a new duvet. Everton one. like, well, no, they, they, I've always got a different one. So this is just like a kind of fancy John Lewis one. But Where's this going? There's a point. It's a welcome distraction, actually. I was all made up yesterday. day off work and putting my new bed on. And I look at my phone and I see the team had dropped. And I've seen a few people kind of saying it from there, but I don't know if this is just kind of symptomatic of our away form and, and what we've we've kind of went through as support in the last few years, Adam. But as soon as you kind of see that team and there was no Gomez and, and Calvert-Lewin up front, again, I just kind of felt like we were on the back foot. Is that a similar feeling that you had? And should, should we have this feeling? Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one because... On the one hand, I can see why Silva's done what he's done, and I can see the reason. And you know, he gave he gave the reasons why he, ch- he ch- started Calvert Lewin. Yeah, he said he's had days to work with him over the international break. You know, he's, his numbers in the air are much better than Moise Keane's. You know, he was meant to be in there to rough them up a bit, have a bit of a physical battle. But it's just the same old problem with Calvert Lewin. We saw him dropping back far too much. We saw him running the flanks far too much. He just wasn't central enough to be able to cause that sort of physical battle. Yeah. And, you know, when like we saw in those home games towards the end of last season how good he can be, you know, when he runs the channels against those types of defences that are going to struggle with a striker who does that. But Bournemouth aren't like that at home. Yeah. Like, you need somebody who's going to be central, who's going to be occupying those two centre-backs. Calvert-Loon just weren't doing that enough. Did really well to score his goal, but that was about all he offered throughout the match, to be honest. I don't think he offered, he offered enough. Is that uh, kind of concerning for him that even after scoring a goal, you, you're still not really convinced by the performance? I think it's massively concerning. And if, it, it, it's, strange, it's strange to me that he wouldn't choose Moise Keane because I don't think Moise Keane offers any less you know, energy up front. Yeah. If, it, if it's just in terms of sheer energy, I think... Yeah, Calvert-Lewin might offer that tiny bit more, but I think Moise Keane makes up for it in terms of you know, his unpredictability, his yeah. ability to bring other, other, our other forwards into the game. You know, We were playing so well with that front four, I just don't know why yeah. you'd think to switch it up. And then in terms of the midfield, you know, like it was an enforced change with Gomez being injured and you know not being able to play. And again, you can understand why he's played Schneiderlin because Schneiderlin served him so well towards the end of last season. And I think he had a few games where he played really, really well. I think that Man United game at home in particular, I've noticed that he played really well in that game. But uh, Tom Davis has just played so well over the international break. Yeah, He'll be really disappointed that he's he's not been yeah. trusted upon. You look at Schneiderlin and Delph, and I know Delph wasn't brought in to be a defensive midfielder, but he, he, he technically was in that system, really, wasn't he? So you're looking at it with two defensive midfielders, away to Bournemouth. You're thinking... And a goal like that third one still happens as well. Exactly. Bizarre, isn't it? So if if Tom Davis... Like, I'm not saying the results of the change if Tom Davis was in there, but our system would have been that little bit better, I think. I think we would have been a little bit more comf- comfortable. Davis is a lot more like Gomez than Schneiderlin is yeah. in terms of you know their, their attributes on a football pitch. So on the one hand, I can see what Silva was trying to do, but I just think that the options on the bench were objectively that that little bit better. And it was disappointing when, you know, the second half came round and we were making substitutions. It was disappointing to see 
that it was just like like for like changes. Like yeah. he, he he wasn't trying to change the system at all. He was just changing the personnel inside the system, and I think that's the most concerning thing for I, me. I, to be I, honest, I think his substitutions have been questionable this season. Mm-hmm. I think Wolves. I was very very close to blaming the manager because he was waiting and waiting and waiting to so make you're those throw changes. Your onto the pitch. Yeah. But no. But all joking aside, like yeah, we're all experts. But everyone was saying it around us, and they scored, and then he made the changes. Yeah. Wolves tied and again I totally agree with you Adam it was just we were, Phil Kirkbride when he texted us last night like he sent over his audio for like the post game podcast and he, he, I said like what do you reckon mate and he said name, name dropping name dropping oh Kirkbride. yeah what's that <laughs> private messages and everything yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> friends of the stars but he was right he, he called it boring not in the respect of like but but it is boring now as we've yeah. all said we know the script yeah. and I think Adam's spot on why why, when it's not working away from home, why not try something different? Why not bring on Tom Davis earlier and give him a go? Like, I read a piece last week where it, it was a bit critical of, like, Everton supporters. You were saying, like, you know, he's not being well-treated by Everton fans. And I, I don't particularly agree with that because I don't think he's done enough in the time he's played to say, I should be playing every Is week. This... I think there was a piece on it because, you know, he played well for England in the 21s. Oh, yeah. Not on our site. I think it was on a, a national site. And they were basically saying, well, why has he not got game time at Everton? And to, to me... I don't know whether he's deserved that game time, but looking at that yesterday again, like what is Morgan Snydlin offering That's to right. this? What, what, does, what, he what to does he bring? And it's it's not like he's going to change now, is he? And like last season, it was it was all right because we had just a guy there, and like with each passing week, you can kind of realise yeah. why he's playing for Paris yeah. Saint Germain and why he was such an important player for us because Snydlin just does not offer that protection. And if I see him go down on his backside for a tackle one more time, I'm just going to tear what hair I've got left, or it's going to turn completely grey <laughs> because like I just can't take it anymore. That second goal, he tried to get the man, didn't he? Yeah. Missed him and ended up with Charleston doing it. And it's just it just feels like if he's I know he had some good performances in the second half of last season, but if I was Davis now, I'd be I'd be wondering like what more can I do? I've gone away on international duty. I've done well. Surely it's time I've got to start. I think up. with Schneiderlin, what he was offering last season was something the guy doesn't, and it was you know that sort of composure on the ball, you know, being able to pick it up from the centre backs, bring it out, you know, and he's got that. He's got a good range of passing on him a lot of the time. Uh, Delph does that now. Like yeah, Fabian yeah, yeah. Delph yeah, has come in yeah. and he and he it, and he absolutely does that now. So it it kind of negates Schneiderlin's role if the, he's playing the key next to Delph. Then do you think that he's basically chosen like for two midfielders yeah. to do the same job? Essentially, yeah. But I think Delph Delph kind of combines that role with you know what Adrissa Guy has left behind. Obviously, he doesn't do it as well as Adrissa Guy, but I think he takes on that mantle of you know trying to be you know that engine room almost you know trying to. To make as many interceptions as possible, trying to make as many tackles as possible. Uh, and Schneiderlin just can't really do that. That's never really been his game. So, yeah, I, I just think we would have been much better served in putting a midfielder in there who could, you know, who can play in between both boxes. And I think that that's Davis more than it is Schneiderlin, absolutely. Connor, to, to look more at the defence, you know, I know that social media after a defeat probably isn't the, the best gauge for uh, picking up on performances, but Seamus Coleman for you yesterday? How do you think Seamus did? I think he enjoyed a, t- a tough afternoon. I think it was kind of sort of a throwback. To sh- you saw the, the part of last season where he was getting targeted and he was he was clearly being identified by opposition, you know, clubs, teams who were coming up against as W. Clinton. 
I think that the the thing with Seamus Coleman is sometimes when you do target him from a defensive point of view, he, he can struggle. I think he's not as sharp and he's not as fast as he used to be, which you know was understandable when you consider where he's come from. And I think sometimes, well, he gets isolated, he gets left isolated two on one because um, we've seen the way Everton play sometimes. You know, Charleston and Wolby, they're not kind of the most defense minded and defense minded wide players. And you can't see, well, you look at Charleston yesterday when he's a track back and he, he just hails the lad down. You can see, well, is Silver maybe saying to him, well, don't go back because you're no use. But that obviously leaves the likes of Seamus Coleman. I say it was a tough afternoon, but I think, in truth, the whole back four enjoyed a tough afternoon because, yeah. you know, Keenan Mina kind of ran ragged by, by Wilson and Solanke kind of put himself about probably more than he's ever done before, if, if we're being honest. So I think the whole back four enjoyed a, a difficult afternoon. But I think the... The big issue with the squad is, is that you can already see, and I think me, me and Will spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, there's a pattern emerging of who is clearly fancied by Silver and who clearly isn't. Mm. Because you look at, even though the, the Palace game, first game of the season, you know, JP Gavin was, was given the nod, even though he barely kicked the ball in training for the club, over Tom Davis at half-time. And if we're being honest, we basically played with 10 men as a result of it in the second half because he just clearly wasn't prepared for what he was going on to. I mean... That, that day at Sellers Park, the conditions weren't great. Palace were obviously a physical side and he just, you could clearly see he wasn't prepared for what was thrown his way. And look, since then, you know, Zen Thompson didn't even make the bench yesterday, despite his good form in midweek in the international break. So all of a sudden, I think there's a pattern emerging now where you can clearly see who is fancied by Silver and who isn't. And I think if you like to Tom Davis, Zen Thompson and others, alarm bells should be ringing because if you can't get a look in, and you're not going to get it, and not getting a look in, in this team at the minute with the, the problems it's got, then I would be concerned if I was one of them. Was a was a point of change yesterday as well, Adam. You know, we were searching for a goal. You know, Gilfie Sigurdsson last season when you when you remember like the Leicester game and, and and a lot of the goals he scored for Everton. You know, he's a game changer. Yesterday he gets taken off when we're kind of chasing that goal. The way it's going at the moment, at Everton heading more towards this. Four four three. Seemingly, why Fabian Delph was brought in? Do you think that that's a change that Silver will eventually have to make because of the options we have? I mean, if we can play four four three, that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> like, still twelve yeah. men. I, I'd absolutely <laughs> love that. If we can't win, <laughs> then there's something wrong. That, 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 that's that's right. <laughs> do, do the referee still do that thing with the <laughs> <laughs> We need every advantage. That happened to us once, you know. Team lined up with twelve players. Against you, yeah, against us, yeah, against <laughs> yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We was in like uh, Thomas's team or your? No, like your when team? I was a kid, yeah. That's like a sneaky tactic. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> you think like he'd done it on purpose or? That, yeah, probably. It was Penn Lake in Saint Helens. So he, he weren't very nice. No, we still lost. No excuses. <laughs> but it it's becoming a, a big, a, a great Everton debate, really, isn't it? And do, do you think we just need more balance in that midfield? Well, is is the sitting two just not working without Gay? Well, I, I don't think it's about the sitting two. I think it's about who's playing up front. Yeah. And we've started with mm -hmm. the same front four against Lincoln and Wolves. Yeah. And lo and behold, Gilfie Sigurdsson played really well in both games and we scored loads of goals in both games. And suddenly Calvert-Lewin comes in. Uh, he's running the channels and dropping back all the time. Sigurdsson's the man who, again, is playing as the de facto striker. And he has a bit of an anonymous match and he gets... He gets hauled off. What was it like sixty odd minutes, something, something like that? I, I'm I'm just starting to think that that that's not really a coincidence anymore. I think 
Calvert, you know, we we know what Calvert Lewin can do well, but I think it does work against a lot of other players in the team. Sometimes, yeah. like in certain in certain scenarios, and I really do think this game against Bournemouth was one of them because if he if he is running off to the flank or whatever, and he's trying to put a cross in, then Sigurdsson's the man who's trying to you know, muscle up two centre backs, and that's that's not where where you want Sigurdsson to be. You want him to be like in and around like the edge of the box, either. Taking taking you know those sort of twenty yard pot shots at the goal that we know he can he can cause a lot of danger from or sliding balls through inside the box into you know likes of Richarlison and Odewobi who are coming in from the flanks or you know where the striker should be through through the middle. Yeah, I think we saw that against Wolves a lot, and I think he just looked so much more comfortable with the fluidity the Keane, Richarlison, and Iwobi had around him rather than. With Calvert Lewin up front, and I'm, I'm I'm not trying to pin this all on Calvert Lewin. I just think that he needs to he needs to modify his strategy a little bit if he's if he's going to be playing you know those sorts of away games for Everton because otherwise it it does just leave Gilfie Sigurdsson a bit a bit isolated and you know I did feel sorry for Sigurdsson really yesterday because he didn't really have much opportunity to do much else with his time on the pitch. I think it was right to take him off and you know try and switch it up in a way, but. I probably would have switched switched up the system. I probably would have gone two up front, or you know, done done something else. But yeah, it, it, there is a bit of a concern around around. I think the partnership between Calvert Lewin and Sigurdsson more than anything else. So that's what you agree with, Paul? Yeah, I was just nodding my head in agreement. Then they just don't click, do they? Certain players don't click, and and they those two guys just don't click together as 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 a partnership and. Absolutely spot on. Like you know, the fact that we'd scored seven goals in the previous two games. All right, there were defensive concerns in both of those, and which came to light again yesterday. But why change that? Unless Keane had a knock, you know, unbeknown to us. Why change that? And Sigurdsson has been so below par, but each time he has been that below par, it has been with Calvert Lewin. And I've not been blown away by Moise Keane yet, but he's not had enough chance to probably do that. But what impressed me most against Wolves was the way he turned and spun on the edge of the box. You yeah. could play a ball into his feet and Wolves got three centre-backs, absolute giants in bowling and they were throwing bodies and bodies at it. Against another team, he might have got one or two that day and it really impressed me because I can't remember the last time Calvert-Lewin did that. And it, yeah. I'm not knocking him because it's just not his game. I still think there's a place for Calvert-Lewin in this squad but as Adam rightly says, I think it's to the detriment to the best team at the moment. Don't get me wrong. Like, he should go away yesterday and go, you know, I've scored my goal. I've done my job. And he has. But I just don't think it suits this team at the moment. And fluid was, was, was the word, absolute spot on again. Like, against Wolves, it was the most attacking and, like, loose and, and fluid we've been for a long, long time. And I just... I, didn't, I just don't know why he changed it yesterday. I think maybe sometimes managers get that way. They might become a bit too clever for their own good. You know, yeah. if you're winning and you've got to set aside, play it. Yeah. I actually think in some respects as well, it's, it's almost not fair on Keane to, to drop him off the squad because, I mean, you know, me and we all spoke a couple weeks ago just in general about, you know, Calvert-Lewin was given a, a long run of games last year to kind of prove his worth as a centre-forward and, and, you know, it was almost like everyone was, you know, cheering and wanted to start scoring. And once you'll get one, you'll get two, and then the rest will flow. And it's never, I know we scored yesterday, but it's never really happened. It's never really took off for him. Now we've got to give that same back and, and that, that same run of games to, to Keane and say to him, well, you know, go and play. Play the next 10 games, you know, try and get a couple of goals, work your way in, get used to it. And for me, I just don't see the point in 
bringing him in, playing him, then taking him back out because I don't think he's going to actually get anything from that because the only way you're going to learn and develop and get used to the, the pace of Premier League football is by playing Premier League football, not sitting on the bench. And, you know, to just throw him on kind of yesterday with, you know, 20 minutes to go, just didn't sit well with me. I just thought it, it's it's pointless this, just playing from the start. And, and if it's not working for him after 70 minutes or he's a bit tired, then bring Calvert-Lewin on. Mm. But you've got to give him a sustained run and a sustained period to prove himself, to get adjusted. And, and to ultimately, you know, get, get, get to know life in the Premier League. And hopefully along that way, he will start scoring goals. And it just... It just didn't sit right with me yesterday, him getting left out. And I just think, like we said earlier, it just sent the wrong message off from the off because it just sent a message of, we're going a bit defensive minded here, we're going with, you know, Calvert Lewin to hold the ball up. And and we've seen last year, that doesn't work. You know, <laughs> we played that last year with our away form and it was dreadful. So it, it cleared that. That whole, you know, Aston Villa doesn't work. And for me, Silver needs to take one on the chin and, 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 learn, and learn from his mistakes. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Is it kind of difficult as well, Adam? Would, would you say that's the first kind of sign? It, it wasn't Michael Keane and, and Yeddy Mina's finest hour. Mm. Yes, obviously we, we've spoken about how good they've been so far this season, but do you think now it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they bounce back? You know, you, you could probably pick them out for a, a couple of the goals there yesterday. Uh, yeah, and I think... <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to pick on them as individuals too much. I think it was more a defensive organisation sort of thing. Like I think that's probably what Silva's going to be most disappointed with when he's you know analysing the game with the squad later this week. He'll just be you know it's that that first goal, the kind of organisation that they had. You know we had we, we we've gone from February onwards not talking about zonal marking at all, and then it rears its ugly head again. With with yesterday, you know, yeah. and Andy Hinchcliffe was absolutely fuming on commentary, wasn't he, about Everton's Everton zonal marking in that situation? And he's quite right, you know. Soon as soon as you lose the flick on at the front post, then you're in all manner of trouble. You know, Calvert Lewin's not sharp enough at the far post, and Callum Wilson's got a really simple header six yards out. I think was it Michael Keane was sleeping a little bit in the middle, so like you know that's. Three different players. I think it was Delphi who was at the, meant to be at the front post. So it's three different players from three different positions in the squad all getting caught out. And, you know, Silver's talked, you know, for months and months about, you know, how he loves his teams to be defensively organised. And it's not just in terms of the back four or the back five, including the keeper. Uh, it's, in, it's involved in the whole squad. You know, that's why we see, you know, towards last season, we saw the likes of Bernard and Richarlison getting back and, you know, contributing defensively as well. We've seen Gilfie Sigurdsson do that throughout his Everton career. So, you know, he, he really wants to see his side defending all the pitch and be organised all over the pitch. And then you see that third goal happen and, you know, it is all four of the defenders and the two defensive midfielders all get taken out by one fairly simple uh, volleyed pass over the top. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't think it was Keenan Mina's finest game at all, but I, I'm... I'm very minded that both of them could be confidence players almost. Uh, Michael Keane has been playing very well for a year now. Yeni Mina's just in this, you know, just starting his first real run of games at Everton. I wouldn't want to pick on them all that much. So I'd, I'd, I'd say it's more of a defensively, a defensive organisation problem across the whole team rather than just them two. It's- 
is the problem really Willow and just it's it's very kind of riches to ruin isn't it that you know the moods in, in this room on Friday when we're kind of talking about the game yeah. uh, and, and, and you know even, even if we probably would have came back with, with a draw yesterday but the manner of defeat the performance and where it leaves us now you know especially in this kind of you know a lot of talk today about the away form it just kind of feels like already a month into the season it's just same old problems at Everton doesn't it People listening to these podcasts, it must be like akin to watching Everton home and away. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, isn't it? <laughs> like on a Monday, bad Friday, like the following Monday, great. Because we're not like we're we're not we are level. I think we're kind of level individuals, aren't we? But we've what as you said that this has been going on for such a long time now. And since I saw what you talk about the zonal mark, and I remember that horrible run last season whenever Michael Ball did his column, he was like, it's not about zonal mark, it's not about man-to-man, it's about desire. He's like, who's going to win that first ball? Are you going to win? And at the moment, I just don't think we've played with another desire. Yeah. Like, I said this to you earlier, and like, I won't get any kind of brownie points for saying it, because Sooners is not never going to be in Everton's good books, and he's not in Everton's good books after those like very ill-judged comments about Moise Keane. But he did say something before the game that still rings through. And like, I know it's like not the modern parlance now about football, but you've played, we've all played football, not at the level of these lads have done but away from home it is well look at him yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast but uh, you know no but you do have to dig in away from home you, it's just yeah. true yeah. you have to win your battles and the worry about this side for me is it's like do they want to be they may be happy being the seventh eighth best team in the country great you know but Evertonians want more than that yeah and like you know all right, you can accept even a defeat at the Etihad or New Tottenham ground, but Bournemouth, Palace and Villa away, you're not telling me in all those three games they've left absolutely everything on that pitch and they've won every battle and they've just had bad luck. It's just not happened. They've not played well enough away from home and that's what worries me about this squad. It's like lingering because, again, I know it's up and down, up and down, because then we might go beat Sheffield United on Saturday and everyone's happy again. But I still think it's papering over cracks. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's great going to the game at the moment and winning all the time at home. But if if we want to be better than just 7th or 8th, we're going to have to improve the away form. And I just, I, just, I think it is a mental thing. It's a mentality thing. Do they, They're obviously clearly good players. They're one of the better teams in the Premier League. But do they want to be more? Yeah. Because the fans want that. And I think the players and Silver has got, have got to prove it. You know, you it's got to be better than Bournemouth 3-1 away from home. Like, you know, it's just bad. Lucas Dean as well po- posted on Instagram a, a picture of, of the players, Connor, and, and with the caption, always together. But do you think sometimes, especially away from home, it doesn't really seem like they are? and It's just like 11 individuals kind of just having a go? Yeah, it, it certainly does. And the performances and results reflect that. You know, there's no there's no doubt in that. And I think going back to what Wheelow said there about, you know, Silver and the plays really wanting it. You know, there's, there's question marks over Silver in terms of what what he's doing from a mental point of view away from home, because you know, is he is he preparing the players in the right way? Because for for someone who's been uh, it's the second season out the club, you know, last season he kind of got away with it a little bit because it was you know he inherited you know a bunch of players that were clearly lacking in confidence and disillusioned because he'd been under the guidance of Sam Allardyce. Um, but now he's he's had time to adjust. You know, he, he knows what to expect. He's he's an experienced Premier League manager himself. It's nothing new, so. You know, there's question marks over what he's doing. You know, what's he doing on the training ground in the room to away games to prepare the plays because we can't just keep conceding goals and, and, and crumbling because, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, eventually we're going up against one of the good, better teams away from home and we'll probably get mulled. <laughs> we'll get well beaten because yeah. we'll just crumble and against better teams you get punished. And I think 
for, for Dean to come out and say, you know, and I know people will say, well, it's just typical of footballers, isn't it? They, they love the PR, you know, type comments of, you know, we're, all, we're in it together and, you know, but they, they need to start proving that they're in it together now because they need to start proving that there's a, a real unity and belief there because too many times with this Everton team, we've seen it over the, you know, the number of years now, when the going gets tough, we don't seem to get going. If anything, we just crumble. I mean, you look back to, you know, last year in the FA Cup, I went to Millwall and Silver played near full-strength team. You know, it was a wet, cold night and they made into a battle Millwall, which you fully expect to. And we just didn't want to battle back and we got beat because of it. We need to find ways to address that because if we don't, then we'll always just be the seventh, eighth best club and we'll probably get to, you know, maybe quarter-final, semi-final, but it'll never be enough to bridge the gap and get over the line when it matters most. It's in-game, isn't it? It's in-game. Like, I don't think they react to going behind well in-game and I don't know whether that is, again, a manager or players is probably a collective thing, but that's, it's like, we keep on coming back to it. It's like, you go behind now, like, at 2-1 yesterday, did anyone in this room think, oh, like, we're going to get back into it? Because to me, that was like, oh, we're done for now. Everton haven't won a Premier League game under Silver that they've fell behind it. And the only the only time we have won after conceding the first goal on the silver was against Lincoln. And I think as well as substitutes speak volumes in them in them situations because you know too many ta- like we we lose to earlier. It's just like for like there's, 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 there seems no tactical sort of now of like right we've got to change tack here and we've we've got to you know switch the formation. It just seems everything's like for like and it just it just seems like we just admit defeat. And we can't admit defeat and just roll over because we're never ever going to get in the top six if we do that. And we're never ever going to collect a piece of silverware because you're going to have tough times where you've got to battle through and get yourself yeah. off the line. And if we can't do that, then we don't stand a chance. Do you think the, the ultimate symbol yesterday had them was Fabian Delft screaming, everybody is mm. effing S-H-I-T? <laughs> mm. I mean, he's probably, got to, he's probably looking around there yesterday, isn't he? And just thinking, what on earth is, is going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know we spoke a lot about Delph and you know why it was brought into into the club and everything, and you know I think one of the biggest reasons was because he does have that kind of the right mentality, the winner mentality that comes yeah. from Manchester City and you know winning two league titles on the spin. So you know he's come from that environment, you know, with a Pep Guardiola almost idyllic sort of training ground scenario, and he's come to uh, to <laughs> to Everton who can't buy a win away from home at the minute, and. It, you can't help but feel like it is a mentality thing, as the lads have said. You know, it is are they being prepared right? I, you know, I've, I don't I don't feel comfortable putting it directly at Silver's door because we've been dreadful away from home mm. for years now. Like Martinez, Coombe, and Allardyce, they all couldn't they all couldn't crack it. Uh, I think at, at least last season it wasn't good enough, but we still improved away from home. So <laughs> Silver's just got to find some sort of way to unlock. Delft's attitude and the rest of the squad now because you know it it is it is great to see Fabian Delft you know trying to trying to gear up the players but he shouldn't have to do it like yeah. it like it it should, it should like it shouldn't need a player for to come out with that outburst and they didn't even react after the outburst to be honest so there is there is some sort of mentality issue away from home definitely and uh, it'll be intriguing to see what Silva does to try and fix it in the future because. At the minute, he's just throwing the same tools at it. Just to just to finish, then I'll, I'll open this one out of the room. But Martin Keown on, on match of the day last night says after that result, Marco Silva's under huge pressure. Everton is, is that something we either agree or disagree with? I think it's far far too early. Mm. He's under yeah. massive yeah, pressure. Far, far yeah. too early. Yeah. Um, 
I do think there'll always be questions asked of Silva because I don't think I don't think that there were certain sections of the fan base when he was appointed to probably weren't blown away by his appointment and weren't hundred percent keen and you saw last year when Silva, you know, had that real rough patch around January, February where the results weren't great, performances weren't great and the fan base was, was becoming split because there was people saying this isn't good enough. Others saying, no, we've got to stick with him because we can't just keep, you know, yeah. year on year sacking a manager, we're never going to get anywhere. But I think now you look at it, the, the plays that have been brought in, obviously all these plays brought in have, have had Silva's approval. So there's no there's no kind of throwing the, well, I've inherited plays I didn't want, we didn't get the, they're all they're all his players and the, the, the plays he's recruited are really good players. You know, they, you look at like, like you said earlier, they come from Man City, Arsenal, Barcelona. It, they're good players, proven experienced players. So, I think if the form carried on the way it is, then question marks will increase and questions, you know, will be asked of Silver. But in terms of him being under massive pressure already, I think that's far, far premature. And I don't think anyone firmly believes that Silver's going anywhere in the coming weeks if, if results don't, don't go to plan. Is that the only problem then? I think, you know, any reasonable Evertonian probably feels the same way as Connor's just described, but is the problem... Maybe what you're going, what you said earlier, Paul, that wins at home, do kind of paper up the cracks. It would probably only take us not getting a, a positive result against a Sheffield United mm. or someone like that at home to really pile the pressure on, wouldn't it? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, when you... I, I, I'm Every credit to the Evertonians who went all the way to the South Coast yesterday and had to witness that I go to the home games. And in a, in a weird way, it is papering over the cracks. It is like... Just, we all love the club, but you know, if you beat Sheffield United 1 0 on Saturday, you have a nice night, and then you forget about what's happened really. Mm. Last weekend, it was the same. Wolves beat Wolves, everyone's happy. I don't think he should be under pressure. Like, it's far too early, and there's been enough positive signs over his reign to suggest that he is the right man for the job. I think it's just, it's, it's just interesting. Start of last season, excellence then terrible, then excellent. Whereas this season's kind of like being a bit of a mix of the two. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's, there's no point, like we're not even going down this conversation, there's no point changing managers at the moment because we've done that and got absolutely nowhere with it. But all you want to see just from him is just something different away from home because yeah, yeah we it, even if it means, if we're winning these home games and beating the teams we should at home, great. Even if it means going to Bournemouth yesterday and maybe, you know, changing our mindset a bit, like we should be able to go there and win. But even if it means going solid, it means taking Sigurdsson out and playing free in midfield mm. and then going there, maybe nicking a 1-0 or drawing 0-0. Because if you're getting points away from home and then you're winning the vast majority of your home games, you're going to be in the battle for European contention. I just think at times last season... With the the set pieces, we were saying something's got to change, and it did. Yeah. So that's why I've got I've got still a lot of time for him. But who's the next away game after this? Obviously, we've got uh, Sheffield Bates, United and Bainley City. At the start of October. Well, well, unless you count Sheffield Wednesday in the yeah. Well, Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, massive game. That's that's yeah. weird. These two are massive in a way because if you, I'm not going over this, not in terms of his future or anything, but we're Everton and we're always so up and then so down and then if you were to lose to Sheffield United and then to lose to Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> you're like in a mini crisis aren't you? Family podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in a mini crisis but it's yeah City's almost like Is this the defining week then you play Sheffield United on the Saturday Sheffield on the Tuesday Man City at home well, you, you, you beat Sheffield United and then get through against Sheffield Wednesday whatever happens against City will be will be even then, we'll still be back in the same situation we are now against Burnley. We yeah. have to go to a Burnley yeah. and win because yeah. I just 
apart from West Ham, Adam, you'll know better than me, mate. I'm sorry, I'm struggling to remember like the last away win where you thought like, wow, that was a yeah, we've gone gone and done a job there. Uh, the one that always sticks out to me last season was Leicester, but yeah, I think the West Ham game was probably was probably the last time. Yeah, like we absolutely did blow them away a little bit, and yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an outlier really in terms of our general away form. And I think I think you're exactly right that. I think the Burnley game's the big one because that's where we need to see that things are going to be different because you know we well we should have seen it against Villa and Bournemouth you know if we want if we want to be better this season you know Silver's saying you know we want to finish better in the league than last season we want to get as you know we want to get as far as possible in both cup competitions etc we'll show it then like now it now is the time mm-hmm. for you to to you for you to go and show it now you've got to go and beat Sheffield Wednesday at their place which isn't going to be an easy game at all so you've got to go and beat them there, and then you've got to go and beat Burnley at their place as well. Because if you're gonna, if you've got ambitions to finish inside the top six, you know we've got to oust the likes of Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal. Yeah. Are they going to go to Burnley and lose on a regular basis? No. So you've got you've got to go to those kind of places and get results. At the minute, Everton aren't doing that. But if they want to, if they want to progress the way Silver actually wants them to. Got to start doing that. So yeah, I think I completely agree with Paul. I think the Burnley game is the big one. I think he's got to prove as well. I think that he can change himself because you, you, you look back to like the Roberto Martinez reign. You know, Martinez was clearly stubborn and was, was stuck in his ways. And I think he can't abide the belief that oh well, we'll just keep doing it because eventually it'll work and, and and we'll reap the benefits of it. And that just never happened. And Silver can't afford to go down that same route of just sticking by something in the hope that eventually it will work and they'll get the rewards because. In football, it's possible that it might never work, and you, you need to change and show that you can adapt and you can change yeah. and mix things up when it mass, when it went needed. Well, Connor seems like a, a a nice spot to end, despite having to think about that Roberto Martinez <laughs> final two seasons, which was uh, a grim time to be to be going to the match. Lads, thank you very much for joining me. We'll be obviously looking ahead to that massive week for Everton later on in the week when we return. Uh, Phil Kirkbride will probably. Replace me, so it's all good. It's, it's all it's looking up already. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> already looking more positive. It's been a nice chance to kind of get everything off our chest. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Remember to rate, comment, and subscribe over on Acast, and join the Royal Blue Podcast group on Facebook to join the discussion. And you can always send your thoughts to one of us on Twitter as well. I don't think we're that hard to find. Thank you very much. Have a good week, and we will see you very soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.